Welcome, family, and again, thank you. Wherever you're watching from, thank you so much for being here. We are honored that you would take the time out, whether you are on a walk, whether you're on a run, whether you are about to go to bed, wherever you are. We are just honored that you're here and that you took some time out for us. If you would allow me, I'm going to pray for us in a moment, right after which I'm going to jump into the third part and the conclusion of a series we're calling Pivot. The reason we're here is because um, we're not going to come out of this the same way we went in. And in light of that, I believe not just one community church, but all churches should be making a pivot right now. The message is the same, but the methods should change. And if you don't mind, today we will conclude that series before we go into a back-to-back series, which is about a two, three-part series of one called You, Inc., about you and your branding, and then the other one zoomed in about you at work. I cannot wait to get to those. But anyways, let's let's deal with the matter at hand today. So if you don't mind, let's go to God in prayer. Father, what a joy it is to to be able to gather like this. Thank you for technology and it allowing us the privilege to be able to go into homes all across this country because of the uniqueness that technology brings us. The enemy thought that he had us when we had to close our buildings, but because people are never closed, the church of God, this is one of its finest hours. So will you lead us now as we continue to inspire, encourage, and motivate or people, your people, to do great things for the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Woo, do I have a word for you today? I've been locked and loaded, and I really, you're going to hear this message on thoughts from this message for the rest of the year, because I think it's so profound to where God has us as a church, his church, on today. The year was 1994. There were only one Point eight seconds left on the clock. The series was the Eastern Conference semifinals between the New York Knicks and the favored and the one and only Chicago Bulls. The problem was Michael Jordan was not playing at this time and the newly found hero was Scotty Pippen. The coach called the, called a huddle. They huddled together and the coach decided that he would do the unthinkable and that is to call somebody else's name and not Scotty Pippen's name to take the last shot. The coach drew the play up, uh, Phil Jackson did, brought the guys together and said, Scotty, I want you to throw the ball in to Tony, and then Tony, I want you, the left-handed jumper from your favorite spot to take it, and I think we will win this game and make the series a 2-1 series. Everybody's excited, the team agreed, but there was a little disgruntledness on the face of the one and only Scotty Pippen. The play broke, and instead of running the play, Scotty goes and sits on the bench. Scotty says, if I'm not going to be the hero, I am not getting in the game. And so Scotty breaks the huddle, and instead of getting in the game, Scotty says, I'm staying on the bench. I don't care what none of y'all say. And the entire deal was messed up. The entire game, the chemistry of the team, everybody messed up all because, all because Scotty said, If I'm not going to be the hero, I'm not going to run the play. I wonder today if there are some believers that when God has called the play, you go to the sidelines instead of running the play that God has called. On today, I'm going to lay out a clear, as best as I know how, a clear play that God has ordained from Genesis to Revelation for you and I to run. And I want to know if you're going to be Scotty Pippen and go to the bench and say, God, I am not running this play. Or if you're going to be Tony Kukoc, get the ball with his little left hand and drain the jumper. God's calling us all to do it. Don't get me excited today, family. But first, I want to remind you of where we're coming from. Here's where we're coming from. We have said, that what is imperative in this moment in human history is for us to pivot 
and adjust our methods so that we can have greater effectiveness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we have said is our culture has changed. It's changed drastically. And because it has, the church, all churches, must make the adjustments too. What are those changes, Pastor? Let me review real quickly. Number one, there is no more um, sense of guilt when somebody doesn't go to church or when somebody doesn't log on to watch an experience. Back in the day, there was a sense of guilt. If you didn't go to church, you'd feel bad. And that was a motivation, even though it's the wrong one, for some people. In addition to that, there is this idea of this distrust in institutions. There is distrust in the Bible. There is distrust in any authority figure that includes institutions like the church, that includes authority figures like pastors. And because of all of those adjustments, we must make a shift. In other words, nobody's just coming to church anymore and arguing, okay, let me go hear what, the, what somebody who opens the Bible has to say. The culture has a distrust from the Word of God, which is why we must make the adjustment. Finally, there is a, there's a move in our culture to, to customize their spirituality. What that means is they don't want anybody to tell them what truth is anymore. They know the truth and they want to, meaning the world, they want to be able to customize it. Which means they're not giving us their trust anymore and say, I want you to, I want to hear your thoughts about a particular topic. What they're saying now is, I don't care what you say. You are now irrelevant to me. Which is why you being a neighborhood champion is so important. Which is why you must make the shift. Why? Because now people trust the people that they live in close proximity to. And now you can have an opening that the church no longer can have. Which is why you living out your spiritual life in the last one, six to seven hours of that week. You come to church for one hour, then you have a hundred and six to seven other hours left. And our job as a church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And you're going to do it right from your home. Am I asking you to do something else? No, I'm asking you to be intentional about your strategy. And we'll talk about that a little more. That's all past and old material. Let's go to some new content now. Here we go, family. So I want to start with one passage of scripture, and the passage of scripture that I want to start with today is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs, the 29th chapter, verse number 18. Here's what it says. Listen to this. This is in the message translation. Uh, you know this verse, <clears throat> excuse me, because you know it because it says in the Old Testament, um, without vision, the people perish, without the revelation of God's word, people perish. Here's what it says, <clears throat> excuse me, in the message. <clears throat> Here's what it says. <clears throat> it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Do you catch it? <clears throat> there are two types of people in the world. People who see clearly what God wants us to attend to. And if you follow that path, you will be blessed. But then there are people, oh, this is good. But then there are people who, who don't care one rip about what God says. And then they, the, the Bible says they will stumble. Let me read it one more time. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. They fumble the ball. They stumble. They don't feel. Now, it might look like their lives are being blessed right now, and that is just the grace of God, but ultimately, they're going to fumble. They're going to stumble. But when you attend to what God clearly reveals, then your life is going to be most blessed. Uh, let me say it another way. John 10 verse 10 says it this way. It says, <clears throat> The, 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 the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what the text says. But God comes to give you life and give it more abundantly. So what I want to talk about today is for you and everybody under the sound of my voice to know clearly, as best I can, what God desires for every believer in today's world. This is his, this is why he left you here. This is what his hope is for you. And I'm going to lay it out. But before I do what God wants, I'm going to do what the enemy wants. I'm going to show you the counterfeit plan. 
The counterfeit plan is you need to get your notes now because I have some notes that look something like this and I want you to get it because we're going to walk through it on today. And I want you to keep this one because it's going to be a game plan for you for literally the rest of your life. It's what I want you to do with your kids. It's what I want you to do with your coworkers. Wherever you have a chance to show somebody the counterfeit plan and then God's plan, I want to equip you today with a simple concept that's in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, and in the Epistles so that you are clear on the process God wants you to go through to move from infancy to maturity. So let me show you the counterfeit one first, and let's go there. All I'm asking you today to, today to do is to run the play. And I'm going to show you the enemy's play, then I'm going to show you God's play. Here we go. The enemy's play. He's got four things for you to do. Don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Don't miss it. This is important. This is what all your friends, all your co-workers, people far from God, this is what the enemy's plan, this is what they are moving in the direction to do. Here we go. Number one, you'll see right beside me. It says, he wants you to know me. He wants you to find fame. He wants you to discover a platform And then he wants you to make a dollar. Now notice, it doesn't have to be far-fetched and weird. All of these things are good. They should not, they just should not be the primary thing that you do. There's nothing wrong with knowing yourself. There's nothing wrong if it's an appropriate time to be famous. There's nothing wrong with discovering a platform upon which you're going to build your life. There's nothing wrong with making a doll. All of those things are good, They're ju- which is why it's a deception from the enemy. Just because it's good don't mean it's God's best for you, and your assignment it is to make sure that you get what's best, not what's just good, but what's best for you. In light of that, he's setting us up. So <clears throat> the rest of the world, you know your coworkers. It's all about me. Every conversation, it's all about me. When you're in the boardroom, it's all about me. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I think's best. You know this next generation, it's all, they don't even know anything except their brand. They grew up in an age when the only thing they knew was their brand, their Facebook page, their Instagram page, their TikTok. Their, uh, that's all they know. It's because everything is about me. Listen, then everybody wants to find fame. It's all about how many friends I got. Uh, <clears throat> am I popular? Is people liking me? Everybody wants to discover a platform. The platform says, hey, this is where I can build my kingdom. And then everybody wants to make a dollar. And we, we allow the dollar to drive all our decision making. And in light of that, the Bible says, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, they're going to stumble because they think this is all there is to life. What, what breaks God's heart is to see men and women, boys and girls, run after the counterfeit model when he has given us a model that we all can enjoy because it's what he has designed that is best for us. So my question for you today is, I've showed you the counterfeit. Now I'm going to show you what God's pathway to blessings look like, and then it's going to be your assignment. Will you embrace it mentally? So that when you see people and they're in model number one, the counterfeit one, that you know exactly the pathway to lead them down. So let's go see what God has to say about that on today. In order to get this, there are a number of passages I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at an Exodus passage. Then I'm going to look at an Ephesians chapter 1 passage. Then I'm going to look at a Matthew 28 passage. And I'm going to walk through all of them and then show you what God's plan is. But it's pretty simple. He says, instead I know you... He wants you to know God. Then he says, number two, instead of, instead of finding um, fame, he says, what I want you to find is freedom. Instead of discovering a platform, he says, what I want you to discover is your purpose that I have customized for you. And then he says, instead of making a dollar primarily, what I want you to do is, listen, together, I want you to make an eternal impact. Do you see how, do you see how the devil takes what God desires and put his own fingerprints on it? And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you will go the way of the world. That's why the world advertises it every day. You can have a name. If you just have this clothes on, if you just have this, then you're going to be the best there is. And it's a counterfeit platform. It's a counterfeit pathway. And you get to tell the world what that looks like. So here, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's start in Exodus first. 
Exodus chapter 6, verse number 6. He starts us off. He's going to show you, share with you four I wills. Watch the text. Watch the text. Watch the text. He says, therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. Notice the first two. I will bring you out. I will rescue you from slavery. Number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. Number four, watch number four, it changes. I will take you, listen, as my people and I will be your God. You notice the four I wills? This is what, they're coming out of Egypt. He says, number one, what I want you to do is, I want you to be clear that, number one, I am taking you out of Egypt, and I want you to get to know me. Number two, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to take you out, but I'm going to rescue you. In other words, I want you to find freedom, because even though you came out of Egypt, Egypt is still inside of you, and it's my assignment, God says, to find, to give you freedom from thinking and living like you're still in Egypt. And then number three, he says, watch it, the text, he says, not only am I going to do it, number three, I will redeem you, I will buy you back, and I will create and give you who you really were. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to buy you back, and I'm going to allow you to be who I really called you to be. That is, I want you to find freedom, and then I want you to find purpose, so you can do what I've called you to do. Then number four, he says, I will, the text says, um, take you as my people and I will be your God. In other words, he's not talking about you individually now. He's talking about you as a group. As a, in the Old Testament, it was as the children of Israel. You're going to hear in a minute. In the New Testament is, is this thing called the church, his bride. And he's going to call us as one people. And he says, I want to make a move with you as one People, this is so powerful. I'm not using you individually because then you're not attached to my bride. I want you to be, I want you to be uh, my bride and I want you to work together as you impact the world and do greater things than I did, Jesus is going to say, when I was here on planet earth. That's the passage in Exodus. Come with me. Let's go now to Ephesians and then let me break it down a little bit. So if you take your notes, you say find fulfillment and then in your notes you should see it say, um, discover God. Find freedom, discover purpose, and together make an eternal difference. That's the fourth. This is the game plan that he wants you to run when you leave church today. This is the game plan he wants you to run. First, he wants you to go through all four. Then he wants you, wherever he brings people into your life, if you've got a group already, then he wants you to do it with this group. If you're going to meet somebody in the road, then he's going to want you to bring them in and do it right there. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you an illustration of this. Um, I was, whenever I'm getting ready to study for my sermon, what I do is I, um, I, I finished all the work theologically, exegetically, all that. And then I go for a walk. And on this walk, I usually walk all the way around a particular high school. And it's about a mile around the whole high school. And I walk all the way around it and I reflect and I replay the sermon in my mind far before I come here. I usually do three times before I come here uh, to share it with you. And so this time, this week, I was walking around the, 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 whole, the whole campus. And while I'm walking around it, I saw some guys the first time around, they were playing football. And they're having some fun, about six or seven of them. They're having some fun. And it looked like an older guy was coaching some high school uh, players. And it looks like that's what he does. So I walked around the second time. And he said, from a distance, he says, hello, good to see you, Pastor Conway. Didn't know who this guy was from anywhere. So I said, hey, man, what's up? So I walked around again. The third time I walked around, uh, they were finishing up. He went to his car. And he says, and I walked around. I said, hey, man, what's up? Good to see you. And then I walked off a little bit further. And he said, hey, 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 can I, can I talk to you for a moment? Can I talk to you for I said, yeah, man, what's up? What's up? What's up? And he said, hey, I just want to tell you thank you. I said, hey, man, you're welcome, man. For what? He says, well, I just want to tell you thank you for the impact you've made in my life. I'm telling you, man, you made a big difference in my life. And I just want you to know I love you. And, you know, he was coming to me like he was going to hug me. I said, whoa, 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 you know, COVID and stuff. So I said, hey, back up a little bit. And, and, and we, we continued the dialogue, right? And then, right then and then, the Holy Spirit gave me a thought. He says, here's a young man that you don't know what's going on in his life. You've already got a group that you're meeting with. Why don't you invite him in the group? And right then and then I said, hey, man, what, you know what? Let me ask you something. What do you do on Wednesday nights when the ladies meet for Bible study? 
Here's what I do. I meet with some guys, and if you want to, you can come in there, and you can be a part of the process, and we can just see what God's going to do in your life. As we, and he says, would you really do that? Seriously? Would you really take the time out to do that for me? And I said, this is a big dude, right? I mean, like a big football, like a, like a, like a lineman or something. And, and the way he's saying it, I'm like, dude, I mean, I just want you to come hang out. Is that all right? But it sounds like this dude was so intrigued that I had a plan to include him in that he was honored that I would have even thought about it. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you know all I'm trying to, all I'm trying to help you to do as your neighborhood, as your neighborhood uh, champion is I just want you to have a plan. And once you have it, I don't want you to add another plan. Just have the plan you got. If you meet with a group right now, then just keep meeting with that group. And if you see somebody else that might be able to come and might be able to insert themselves because the Holy Spirit gives you a sign that says you should, then you just bring them in there. It's nothing new. All I want you to do is have a clear plan where you can get people to abandon the counterfeit plan of the enemy and embrace the one God has, the one you currently enjoy, and the one God has for every human being all over the world. Listen, listen, listen. We, this church, will always be, all churches, by the way, will always be a consumer-driven church unless you focus on evangelism. We always will be. Always. Let me say that again. The only way to not make Christians in Collin County and all these city neighborhoods all across the world, the only way for, not, for us to not make Christianity a consumeristic in, in, uh, uh, venture is if we make sure we're focusing on the one. In other words, when the 99 gather, when we go to run the play, you know what we're running? We're going after the one who does not yet know Jesus or the one who is following the game plan, the counterfeit game plan of the enemy, and we're trying to embrace them so that they can know God's plan for them. That's why this is so important. If you don't do it, some of you right now in community groups, and you're saying, well, I don't want, I just like my group. I don't like no other group. I don't want anybody to come in here. You know, all you have to do, just remember when you were the one on the outside. And you were looking for some people who would love you. And now you've found this great group of friends. And you love these friends so much. And you don't want to give them up. Nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem though. You will always focus on you. Unless you have an evangelistic perspective that says, God, we're open. If there's another couple struggling out there and we have found this beautiful experience, why wouldn't we want to include them in there? Do you see what I'm saying, fam? You've got the game plan. You got to know God. Then you got to find freedom. Then you got to discover purpose. And then together, we're going to make an eternal impact. Let me show you in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. It's where I want to show you the next one where you can see it. Come on. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. It says, watch what God is doing now. It says, it says, I pray, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's number one. You see, he wants you to know God. Watch the text now. He, in the knowledge of him. He wants you to know him. Now, the word know there is, is the idea of intimacy. Ah, it's the, it's the same concept of Adam and Eve when the Bible says they knew each other. The, the problem with many people is they, they know the church, they know religion, but they don't know God. The problem is they know about God, but they don't have a relationship with God. Ah, the problem is you have, you have, you have entered into a relationship and I hear people say it all the time. Yeah, I've been going to church all my life. That's irrelevant. The question is, do you have an intimate relationship with God all your life? Because if all you do is you've been to church and you've, you've, you've heard about God, that does not mean you have an intimate relationship. That's why Matthew 7 verse 7 says something like this. It says, it says, many will say, Lord, Lord. And then he says, I will say, I never, same word, knew you. I never had a personal relationship with you. You never spend unhurried time with me. You spend unhurried time on your phone with Instagram. You spend unhurried time on your phone with Facebook. Or you have spent unhurried time with TikTok, but you haven't spent it with Jesus. 
See what I'm saying, fam? All I'm trying to suggest to you is the only way to spend unhurried time with God is if you are spending one time with it. The only way you get to know somebody well is by spending time with them. You enjoy being in their presence. If you don't enjoy being in God's presence, then maybe you don't know him. If you don't love, if you're not basking, if you're not running into his presence on a daily basis, then maybe you don't know him. <clears throat> Pastor, what do you mean when you say run the play? I mean, you got to spend unhurried, intentional time with Yahweh so the world knows that you know him. Because you got to get Egypt out of you. You see, you love the world so much, all of us do, that if you're not careful, if you don't spend that time with him to work on your affections of your heart, then what will ultimately happen to you is you will go back to what you know. That's why we got community groups sometimes going and doing crazy things because one or two of them love the world so much, they go back to the world and enjoy the things they used to enjoy instead of understanding no, that's not so with you. That's not how we live now. But you got to know him. You got to have a personal relationship with him. So number one in your note says you've got to surrender and then you got to spend unhurried time with him. But you got to know him. That's what the text says. Then it moves from there. Watch the next part, verse 18. This is so good. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Your heart doesn't have any eyes. But what he's praying is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Assumption, they're not enlightened yet. How do I know, Pastor? How do I, how do I let them be, how do I let my heart become enlightened? By spending time with him. That's how you get there. You see, you can't go to number two if you haven't gone to number one. You can't find freedom if you don't know him. Because if you start to know him and then you go to freedom, but you go to know the world and not Jesus, then you're going to end up back where you started. Family, that's why this is so important. He says, I want you to find freedom. I want the eyes of your heart to yearn for Christ, not the things you used to yearn for. That's the beauty of finding freedom. That's why we have a whole ministry called Pursuit. Its only job is to help you find freedom. That's all they do. They help you find freedom. Here's what the Bible says, by the way. And the Bible says in James chapter 5, if you want forgiveness, go to God. If you want healing, confess your sins one to another. That's why what you need is a group. That's why number two says you ought to get in a group and you ought to be honest and transparent. Why? Because that's the only way you're going to find here. You don't go to, you don't go to God for that kind of a healing. God's created a body of believers that you're supposed to go to, confess your sins one to another. You will remove the shame. You will remove the guilt and they'll encourage you to do that. So now you can walk in the freedom that God has for you. There are so many people on the counterfeit plan that walk around with guilt every day. But not one Christian has to, because God says, I will forgive you, and you'll find freedom in the community that I've given you. Number three, watch the text. It gets better. It gets better. Then he says, then he says, then he says, um, so that you may know what is the hope of this calling. Now, please notice that when you have the calling, you have hope. So if you're walking around without hope, it's because you haven't found your purpose yet. Because what he says is once you find what I'm calling you to do, the game plan I'm calling you to run, now you can have hope. So when you see people walking around with no hope, it's because they don't know and they're not convinced of what God has called them to do. And once you clarify that for them, it's game over. Now the enemy don't have any more strongholds in their lives. That's why this is so important. It is life-giving, my brothers and sisters, in Christ. And you've got it. You've just got to be willing to share it with other people. It's life-giving. And how can we keep this life that God has given to us away from everybody else that we meet? And then lastly, he says, after you discover, after you go from finding freedom, he says, then I want you to discover purpose. That's why you're going to get your calling. Let me show you the two things there. He says, one, you ought to discover your gifts. And then you ought to find your role in the body of Christ. Can I remind you of something real quick? This is very important. Remember this number, 87%. Do you hear what I just said? 87% of the body of Christ does not know what body part they are in the body. In other words, they don't know where they fit in the body of Christ. They don't know their role in the body of Christ. You know what I'm doing today? 
I'm trying to show you your role. I'm telling you that a role you can play. Pastor, I don't have time to go down to the church. I don't have time to be an usher, a greedo, or a platform man. I don't have time for any of that. Here's all I want you to do then. I want you to be a neighborhood champion. That's it. Be your neighborhood champion. We're in a moment where we can give you signs and you can come by the church and get them. <clears throat> that says need prayer and you can put your number in there. Why are we doing that? So that the neighborhood can know there's a lighthouse right there. And if they just make the call, you will be there for them. What, what do you think pastors do? People call the church all the time. And then we have to walk them through issues. What do you think you get to do? The Bible calls you a priest. That's what the Bible calls you. He says, now we want to release the priesthood of the believers. That's what you are. That's what I am. And now you get to go and represent him in your neighborhood. So I'm giving you your role. You don't have to ever say, Pastor, I don't know my role in the church because I'm giving it to you now. I am anointing you a, a, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you get to be your neighborhood champion for the glory of God. Now you know at least one of the things you should be doing for the glory of God. And then lastly, he says, here's what the text says, the hope of your calling, what is the wealth of his glorious, watch it, glorious inheritance in the saints. Do you see that, family? Do you see that? The glorious inheritance in the saints. There is something unique that happens when the body of Christ gets together and the body of Christ is being used by God. Not isolated, but together. That's why the last one, together we make an eternal impact for the glory of God. What does that mean? That means you got to use your time for God. That means you got to use your resources for God. That means you've got to say, God, I want to make an eternal difference for you. I go to another place, to a hotel in the area, to go study. I have a whole team that does it, about four of us, and we go and we, we start working on the sermon notes. We start working on laying out the graphics for the sermon and videos, if we're going to use them. And invariably, people are passing, people are having conversations with us. And this one time, before COVID, this one time, somebody came by and they said, hey, 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 um, I noticed on her face, I said, hey, something's wrong with you. What's going on? You all right? Started tearing up. She said, well, well, it's my, it's my son's birthday today, and I have to be here because they call me in, and I can't get to celebrate his birthday party because it's at four o'clock, and I can't get to celebrate it because uh, uh, I got to be at work. Man, she was tore up, she was crying, but she was still present at work. One of the, one of the people in the team said, hey man, here's what we're going to do. They didn't tell her. They said, we're going to go to Walmart and we're going to get her a, a bunch of gifts for this boy. And we're going to bring it back and we're just going to surprise her. Boom, Gwent got the gifts, came back. She came up and we said, hey, you know what? I, I, we, we, we just want you to know that we heard your cry and we just wanted to bless you and your son. I know you came to work. I don't know what God is up to. I don't know what Jesus is up to, but he just wanted us to bless you today. And so we blessed, I don't remember, if that was $200 worth of gifts, something like that. And we just blessed her. I mean, lavishly blessed her. She couldn't even believe it. But then he, you can't just do that because anybody can do that. You don't need to know Jesus to do that. So you got to connect it to Jesus. So then, then we, said, we said, hey, listen, listen, listen. Here's why we did that. Because <clears throat> in our lives, we don't deserve things oftentimes, and God still gives it to us. And so we just wanted you to know that the only reason we even have a heart to do this is because we know the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God. And so we want to do to you what Jesus Christ has done to us. And I'm just telling you, there is nobody like him on the planet. And so since he has blessed us so much, we have to. We don't have a choice. we got to be a blessing to you too. But it's not because we just want to do some good. It's because Jesus did it for us first. So I want you to bless you, and I want to bless your son. And I hope you all have a great party today. And I know, you know, I don't know what all the other issues are, but I just want you to be blessed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what happened afterwards, but here's what I do know. She heard the clear gospel of Jesus Christ, that I deserve nothing, and he came running for me. And she deserved nothing, and through his saints, came running toward him. Isn't that a picture of the gospel? Isn't that what we do? Don't just go feed the homeless. Nothing wrong with that. But you can't just do that because anybody can do that. And people do that to get guilt off of them. You got to link it. Because when I was spiritually hungry, Jesus came after me. So how can I not do physically for you what Jesus did for me spiritually as well? 
family. That's what we're doing. We're not just a social club. We're not just some organization that wants to do good. That's not what we are. We are a body of believers that God calls his bride. And we need to show the people the hands and the feet of Jesus the Christ. That's what we do. We're his hands and feet. You go to Matthew chapter 28, you see the same thing. Here's what it says. Go make disciples. That's what it says. Go make disciples. What does that mean? Know God and then find freedom with following him. Then he says, teaching them all to observe all that I've taught you. What is that? He wants you to discover your purpose and what God has taught his disciples, his 12, his 11 disciples, what he has taught them. And then he says, lo, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. You, not singular, but you plural, this body of disciples that are going to be the local church. He says, lo, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Now I want you to go make an impact. You know the reason why you're here? Because they took on their assignment. The question is, who will be here because you, who will be here in the future? Because you took on your assignment. That's the beauty of the gospel, y'all. That's it. Turn the page over. Let's see if we can go and wrap this up now. All right, so how do you experience the fullness? I'm going to talk about this next week again in a one-off message called The Promises of God. I can't wait. But anyways, how do you, how do you experience God to the fullest? Now you've got to go to First Peter, Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and then we're going to turn the corner. Second Peter, chapter 1. Here's what the text says. The text says this. May his grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of, G- of God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Family, listen up. Listen up. Here we go. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises. Here we go. So that through them, those promises, that's why we're talking about promises next week, you may share in his, say that word with me right there, divine nature escaping the corruption that's in the world. Here's what, here's what he's really saying. The way you find freedom so that you can get to divine purpose, so that you can get to the big impact you want to make, is you've got to identify the fact that God has deposited in you the divine nature, but it's in seed form. Somebody say seed. Seed form. So he gives it to us, and here's what he's expecting to happen. He expects you to know God so that it can grow. The more you develop your relationship with God, the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more it impacts your heart and your mind, which is the idea of your soul, the more it impacts that, then the more it tells your body physically what to do. When you get stuck in a past transgression or a past sin and you can't get past it is because in that area, the divine nature of God has not been given a a freedom to grow. And if it's not growing, then the body is going to follow what it naturally wants to do and not what the Bible calls it to do. That is why as a body of believers, we have to encourage each other with the word of God to become self feeders so that uh, that the divine nature can grow which then infiltrates and expands and influences the soul, heart, and mind, which then influences the body, what you do. All right, let's see if we can turn it. Hey, come on out here, fellas. Come on out here. Let's, let's, let's turn this corner and let's move in this direction. Here we go. Come on, fellas. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now I want to talk to you. I talked earlier about Scotty Pippen, but now I want to talk to you a little bit about the healthy habits of a playmaker. Come on, all the way up front, gentlemen, all the way right here. Uh, I want to talk to you about the healthy habits of a playmaker. I want to show you what Sunday is all about before we get to run the play that I just told you about, the pathway to blessing. Here's what it's supposed to be about. Number one, it says that we are to, the playmaker, you the playmaker, you're all playmakers in your neighbor, as neighborhood champions. You're supposed to take the muddle out of the huddle. Take the muddle out of, what's that mean? You know what a muddle is, right? It's, it's, some of you know too well what a muddle is, by the way. It's what bartenders use to crush the fruit at the bottom before they pour their drink. And so what happens oftentimes in churches, you've got playmakers who, 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 who want to create disunity 
But as a playmaker, your job is to remove the muddle so that the huddle can be the place of inspiration it's supposed to be. It's a unifying effort. So as a playmaker, when you hear, come on, fellas, when you hear one person that doesn't want to go in the huddle, I can't, I don't like it, I don't like the quarterback, I don't like what the coach is playing, they're not calling my number enough, that's when you you call the player apart and you say, hey, man, listen, listen. As a playmaker, you call him apart and say, hey, man, listen, here's what we got to do. I know, I know your feelings are hurt, but here's what, for the greater men of the team, the goal is more important than your role. So what I want you to do is come back in here, and I promise you it's going to get better, but you got to support your players so that they can like you, so that they want to call your name, so that we can get better as a team. You clarify that, then you bring them back in the, in the huddle. There is no model, and now we're ready to go. Family, I'm telling you, your job is not to create more, more model in the huddle. It's to remove it so the church can be unified so that all of us can now go run the play. That's the goal. Number two, watch the text. Number two. Number two says you ought to know the playbook. What does the playbook mean? The playbook simply means that you ought to know the word of God. Because if you go in the huddle and you don't know the playbook, then the, the, the coach or the quarterback is going to call a play. And if you, when they say the name, if you don't know it, then you're not going to know what to execute. And the confusion on your face is going to be so obvious, the defense is going to know the ball's not coming to you, so they don't have to worry about you. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to know the playbook so when you get into the huddle, you know exactly what the quarterback is talking about when they call the play. Number three, it says now you got to run the play. You've seen this oftentimes. You've done it. I've done it. Scotty Pippen have done it. You get in the huddle. The coach calls the play, and everybody's all excited, and you hear a song that you like in the play, and you're all excited. We're, hey, we're, hey, 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 and we're ready to go, and then the coach calls the play, and then everybody goes sit down on the staff, goes sit down on the sidelines as if they don't know what's going on, and nobody is running the play. We go sit down on the sidelines. This happens in way too many churches all over the world. The coach calls the play. Here's the play, man. Go know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. <laughs> Make an eternal impact. And instead of doing it, you go to the counterfeit plan and you go sit down on the sidelines. No more family. We can't afford to do that. That's why I'm calling you to make the shift. That's why I'm calling all of us. It's not, it's not a suggestion by God. It's a command. You must make the shift. We're going to lay out the whole game plan every week. Um, all 1,000 got a book already that we're walking through with them. They've got a Zoom call next week that everybody's going to be on it, four of them, that everybody's going to be on it, and they're going to hear the game plan of it, and we're going to talk about it more. You can come pick up your signs at church. We'll mail it to you. If you go online and, and, and pay for the mail, we'll mail it to you. But we care so much about this that we're putting all our resources behind it because we think it's the only way to make the adjustment for the future church. So come on now, here we go. Last one says this. Come on, fellas. Eat value, playmakers, value each player. Why? Because the goal is greater than the role, because every role is necessary for the goal, and because when you accomplish the goal, every role is celebrated. What well, all that means is, hey man, everybody, every player is important. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter how big or tall, or short they are. It doesn't matter what position they play. Everyone is important. If we're going to make the goal, if we're going to achieve our goal, then every role is important. And we can't minimize any role whatsoever. And so everybody needs to know, hey man, great job, great job, great job. Why? Because every single role is important. Now, to close the sermon today, you can't leave yet. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to hear from two guys, three guys. And you're going to hear their stories, and then we'll be done. So I want you to take a look at this video, and then I want you to come join us in another scene as you hear powerful stories about what God is doing in a couple of guys. Take a look at this first. Come on, let's go. In our culture, with every headline, it's easy to jump to conclusions without context. As a church, we believe the gospel can cut through the noise. At a time when our country feels so divided, we are choosing unity, putting our differences on the table, and starting conversations around the table. For our first Unity Table weekend in August, hundreds of families across the country met virtually on Zoom or for dinner to highlight topics on race and culture. Our Unity Table starts 
with grace. Without meaningful conversations, we become salt that has lost its taste. Our differences don't have to divide us. So grab a seat and join us every fifth weekend for dinner. We can't determine what's on the menu, but we guarantee it will be served with love. Here we go, family. Here we go, here we go. So I want, to, I want you to hear stories of everybody else and what they have been doing. Remember I told you about these signs, everybody? It simply says, need prayer. All I want you to do is come by the church and get one. All these three guys, everybody that's here today is going to get them. You're going to start seeing it pop up all over. Notice it has nothing that says one community church. It just has your number where you're going to put here, whether it's a Google number, which I would recommend, any kind of number so that somebody can call. It's two-sided so everybody can see it and they can pray. When everybody else is putting up political signs, I want you to be a reconciler, a healer in the midst of the political divide. So come on, man. Tell us a little bit about what God has been doing. Tell us a little bit about um, our group when we met together, what that did for you, and then how now you've started your group and what God's doing there. Share with us a little bit. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, what I can start with is uh, my my wife actually uh, kind of forced me to come to Men's Bible Study because <laughs> I was I was on the, the old plan, right, on, in the old playbook, which is just on my own thing, do my own thing. I'll study the Bible on my own and, you know, do my own thing. And uh, my wife really encouraged me, hey, get out there and go to men's Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I did. Um, and, of course, after the Bible study, we did, you know, our breakout sessions. Yeah. And, and you were leading one of the groups, yeah. you know, that I was in. Uh, and I began to share my testimony about, you know, when I was in Iraq as a Marine and, and you know, the enemy tried to take me out. Right. And, uh, you know, you, I don't know if you saw something in me or heard something in your spirit as you talked about today. And you invited me say, hey, I, I, I want you to be a part of my discipleship mm-hmm. group. I recognize you as a leader. I want you to be a part. And, uh, you know, almost instantly, as soon as you said, but before the words got out of your mouth, the enemy tried to, you know, give me excuses and, and, and tried to tell me, oh, man, you don't got enough time for that. That that Before you got done speaking, I already knew I didn't have enough time for it. Yeah. So um, but one of the things that you said that was so impactful is and, and you mentioned it today as well about how one hour can impact the other 167 hours. Right. So and, and having that new playbook and that 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 eternal impact in mind about the three things that last forever, which is God his word and other people. And if you're not spending your time on those three things and focus on the eternal impact, yeah. uh, and that, in that, you know, aspect, then you're really not doing anything. You're wasting your time anyway. So, um, I decided to come on board and it's been an absolute life changing experience to be on the new playbook. That's awesome, man. So now you have your own group that you're leading. Tell us a little bit about that. Just a little bit. Yeah. Shout out group two, uh, group two. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we meet, uh, on, you know, of course, men's Bible study Wednesday, and then also the off Wednesdays. Yeah. And it has just been life changing, not, not only for the brothers, others in the group, but, but more for me. I mean, I, I get more out of it, I think, than they do. So, you know, when, when I'm praying for them, I have 15, 20 guys praying for me right back. So awesome, um, it's been an incredible experience in my life and, and in my family's life and yeah. in their lives as well. So it's been That's great. awesome. So remember, family, all we're saying so far is you've got the non-believer, you've got the new believer, the growing believer, and then you. And what we said today was you have somebody who's getting to know God. We have somebody who's finding freedom, somebody who's discovering covering their purpose, and then you're supposed to be making an impact. And so then when you finish, then you bring the person around to your chair, and then we start all the process. You don't have to start a new group. Just bring them into whatever you're in right now, and we're going to give you the curriculum that we're going to use. We're going to give you it all if you make the shift. So go make the shift right now. Your turn, Dave. What do you got? Tell us a little bit about what God's been doing in your life. I just want to piggyback off uh, Tony and what you asked me uh, the other night which is uh, how can we make time uh, in discipling and making time for God so that we can uh, be better disciples. And I immediately thought of encouraging uh, all of our viewing audience, mm-hmm. which is uh, first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these will be yours. That's good. And the reason why that is is because we need to trust God. Just from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, we need to trust God and give him the chance. If we don't trust God, we're never going to experience that, that type of uh, promise that he has for us and i'm a living testament that you can if you can balance the time make the time because how often do we spend time uh watching social media listening to the news (laughs) if we can re 
reaffirm the time that we have with God each and every day, schedule accordingly. Yeah. We can make time to do what we need to do for the Lord and provide for our family also. That's awesome, man. All right, so you have two guys who were in uh, my discipleship group and now have left and started their own. Your time, now I want to hear from one that just joined. They're two weeks in, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts? Go ahead. Yeah, I can definitely say so far prior to the discipleship, I've definitely been running the wrong play. And so coming to OCC, going into the discipleship, I'm excited to be running the right play Mm. because I know for me, uh, I looked at trying to see how much I could get as far as education, what I could get as far as my career. And by the time I got to those ends of those journeys, I was finding myself empty. And so one of the things that I find in this new playbook that you're unveiling to us is if you're sowing sparingly, you're also going to reap sparingly. And so the thing that we really need to understand is our time with God is not something that you need to fit in your schedule. It should be your schedule should fit around your time with God. And so I'm really benefiting from running the right play and following this discipleship process. And, and there's nothing wrong with pursuing education. There's nothing wrong with pursuing resources to take part, to take care of your family. But as the text said, and as David just said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will fit accordingly. And we cannot, I must emphasize this, we cannot um, prioritize the counterfeit plan over God's plan. And so again, family, I want you to hear it as clear as I can say. The game plan to a blessed life is you and I must make sure we're knowing God, we're finding freedom, we are uh, discovering purpose, and then we are together making a difference. That's why I'm calling all of you to be neighborhood. Your house must be a lighthouse. You must be a neighborhood champion in a politically divided world, in a culturally divided world. God's calling us to be reconcilers according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you get to be one of those. Uh, come by, pick this up, sign up. When you sign up, you're going to get, you're going to get, um, a call as well as emails going to you. So you know clearly where we have four different books that we're giving you so you can understand, you can fully appreciate what God is doing, how we're going to lay this out for the body of Christ worldwide. I am so excited for all the early adopters that have said, yes, count me in. I'm making the shift and I cannot wait to see what the fruit of this is. I promise you one family, my job is to create clarity and to define reality so that the enemy's plans will be thwarted and God's plans will be glorified. That's why we're making the shift. Is the huddle still important? Yes. But when you leave the huddle, that's where we got to get better. So family, love you guys. God bless you. Will you allow me to pray for you before we go? And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're at that first loop where you're trying to discover and know God, then then maybe today's the day when you should give your life to Jesus Christ. We have a pastor chat. You can just go there and say, hey man, how do I give my life to Jesus Christ? Any questions you have, you want to rededicate your life? Hey, how do I rededicate my life? Just go to our pastor chat or one of our platform pastors will talk to you as well. Or finally, if you want to join our church, you can join our church today and you can become a part of that at two o'clock on today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for clarity. Thank you for your revelation of your game plan that you want us to now go execute and run. I pray that every person under the sound of my voice will run the plan that you have for us and abandon the counterfeit plan the enemy has for us. Lead us now, we pray, into being one body of believers, unified together, moving toward what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. Why don't you take it over to app time? Fellas, take it away.